Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And we are going back to where we started. Yeah, we are. Back in time. Way, way back. Many centuries ago. Go, go, go crazy as we are talking about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat live. Mm -hmm. This was our first ever episode yes do not go back and listen to it i don't recommend it it was like back before we had a quality microphone or anything really in setup wise we recorded some of it i think on my ipad yeah and it was you know the inception of our inception conception of our uh, podcast yeah but i think it's a good one to start off with if i'm correct in thinking we basically chose it because it was the show's must-go-ons, mm-hmm. like, debut feature. Yeah. And they had the Donny Osmond film, which is a perfectly fine introduction to the world of musicals. I gave it three stars, I think. I remember saying, like, I enjoyed how over-the-top it was and colourful it was, and I thought the performers were good, but I didn't like the stylistic changes. Yeah. You, I remember saying that this was like your your peak, like this is how I want musical movies to be made. Because like you have the element of like the kids going in and it's clearly on stage, but then the world blends. Mm-hmm. But this isn't traditionally done like it's in a school setting. Like obviously the, the show itself came from Andrew Lloyd Webber writing with Tim Rice a 15-minute, like, Sunday school performance. Yeah, for a, a church youth choir to perform. But it doesn't have... I'm impressed that you remember this. Yeah. It doesn't have origins or traditional like, performances where it's, like, in a school. That was just a choice for the film. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just remembered being, like, it was, it was fun, but some of the stylistic choices, like, were all over the shop with the, the songs. Mm-hmm which bugged me a little bit at the time still kind of does but maybe that's uh that, that's a difference between getting caught up in the magic live versus sitting on your settee watching a film yeah i don't know we'll find out i'm really excited to see this one it's got a fantastic cast mm-hmm. i know that this is the london palladium production of the show that is now touring and we're obviously off to the new victoria theater in woking to see it but we have jack yarrow as joseph and jack yarrow joseph was his debut role his professional debut at the london palladium yes i saw that and nominated for many awards i don't know if he won any awards for it he won the stage debut award in 29 for Best West End Debut, mm-hmm. but he was nominated for Best Action and Musical for the 2020 Olivia Awards, for the 2020 What's On Stage Awards, and Best Actor in a Musical for the uh, Stage Debut Awards 2019. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Which is crazy for a debut role, especially to go into something like Joseph, where you are, I think... Obviously, the narrator is there almost the entire time. She's on stage for almost the entire show, but Joseph is as well. There's only, I think, uh, one or two scenes I can think of that he isn't in, which is insane, you know, for a a debut to go in and 
be that critically acclaimed is fantastic. Especially in something that is... So huge. Yeah, it's something that people really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And you also look at the fact that Joseph in The Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat has a really, really strong history of performers as Joseph. So Jack Yarrow's got to kind of continue that legacy of people like uh, Jason Donovan, of Donny Osmond, of Philip Schofield. You know, all very amazing actors. Mm -hmm. That's quite a daunting task, especially because at the London Palladium... He was starring across from Jason Donovan, yep, who was Pharaoh, who in in this production, who obviously was Joseph, yes, and with Lindsay Hatley, who is obviously we're going to talk about in a moment, but was the narrator with Philip Schofield. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like looking at these two people alongside, and you're like, wow, that's quite a daunting task for any actor. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see Jack Yarrow in the role because I, I saw them do Any Dream Will Do for musicals The Greatest Show on BBC. I thought they were amazing. Really excited to see yeah. Jack Yarrow in person. One of the stories I saw about Jack Yarrow that I just want to share with you, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but this is to do with the costume. Jack Yarrow is first Joseph to ditch iconic loincloth after mishap in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, I did know that he had changed the loincloth costume. Now, I personally don't know why they hadn't done that sooner because I just think it makes more sense for him to be wearing the costume that he does wear in this version, which is like, if you picture Aladdin's trousers in the cartoon... That's what he wears now. Yes. Which I think is a great costume. It makes a lot of sense. There's really no reason why he would be wearing a loincloth at all before he's, like, thrown in prison. Yes. But just, like, historically, like, the loincloth was worn under things. You didn't just wear that. So Well, this is the story. We don't have a loincloth. I tried one for the first dress rehearsal. I had a really quick change into it and said to the dresser, this is really small. I don't think it's going to fit, but we had to carry on. It was at the London Palladium. It was the first time Andrew Lloyd Webber was there watching the show. I sang and stood up at the end of the song and the loincloth just fell off my body onto the ground. I was stood there in my underwear in front of Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. I had to keep going and I did the rest of the act in my tiny white boxer shorts. After that, we thought we should maybe cut the loincloth. So I now wear baggy white trousers with a rope belt. I'm the first Joseph not to wear a loincloth. Yeah. And I just thought that was pretty funny. Like, could you imagine, you know, poor Jack Yarrow, Mm -hmm. fresh out of drama college, has been cast in a very famous show with one of the most famous people within the musical theatre world, within the theatre world, watching you form their show and that happens yep ouch mm-hmm. had you heard that story before yes yeah. yeah so we then have Lindsay hatley who we've spoken about before um on the show when we covered carrie yep. last halloween mm-hmm. blimey i think it was around the time actually we saw that Lindsay hatley was going to be doing joseph when we came to see it yeah, because we 
we wanted to go and see this. We've wanted to see this for a while. Well, yes, because when we went to see Waitress for the first time, that was like one of our early dates. And you were like, oh, I'd like to see Joseph. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you were like, yeah, sure. Not exactly infused. <laughs> but I remember we walked to the Palladium mm-hmm. and asked if they had any tickets, which they didn't. But you were telling me like it's a big deal because, you know, Lindsay Hatley, who was the narrator in 1991 yep was like returning to the role and you had jason donovan who mm-hmm. you know so we tried to that we couldn't and i wasn't exactly infused by waitress yeah i know because either. i made you read the terrible intro to yeah. it which was it has nothing to do with the show but we settled on waitress and obviously fell in love with it yeah but yeah, so in 1991, Lindsay Hatley played across from both Jason Donovan and Philip Schofield, respectively. Yeah. And then in the Palladium Revival, obviously played across Jason Donovan again, except this time he was the pharaoh. Yes. Which is really cool. I really like that the narrator as a character, it's really irrelevant how old she is or yeah. who she's played by. And it is really the only female role in the show. Yes. Realistically, you have the female ensemble, but none of them are specifically named characters because they're all called things like Potiphar's wife. Yeah. You know, Asher's wife, Dan's wife. I think it's important that the narrator is a female role. Well, because otherwise you've got no female characters. Yeah. And I think it is important. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Hatley was nominated for an Olivia Award for Best Actress in a Musical for Joseph back in 91. Mm -hmm. So amazing that we are going to see her in this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, she debuted with Carrie. We spoke about that, that infamous production. But if you look at her CV of like theatre credits, I guarantee she will have done something that you love. Yeah. So I'm just going to read out a few of her roles for the listeners. Mrs. Johnston in Blood Brothers, Donna in Mamma Mia, Barn- Charity Barnum in Barnum, Madame Tenardier in Les Mis, Roxy Hart in Chicago, Winifred Banks in Mary Poppins, Nancy in Oliver, Red Riding Hood in Into the Woods, Martha in The Secret Garden. It's crazy. Rizzo in Greece, Eponine in Les Mis, and she cameoed as well in the Les Mis film. Mm-hmm. She was Oxford professor in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yeah. Which is, you know, fantastic. So to be able to see her in this role is going to be amazing. I'm very, very excited. Mm-hmm. We don't have Jason Donovan for The Pharaoh, but we do have Bobby Winderbank. Yeah. Who has been in Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat before was Simeon. Yep. I can't remember who Simeon is. I think he's like the fourth or fifth brother. Yeah, I assume it's a brother. But the Pharaoh, I remember having like Elvis vibes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that should be fun. Yeah. I One of the things I remember talking about when we talked about Joseph the first time was like, was it going to be like... Joseph stumbling into all these other Bible stories. Mm-hmm. But it's remarkably short as well. Yeah. Like, and Act 1 is 45 minutes, Act 2 is 55 minutes. But mm-hmm. that's, it is one of those ones that 
I'm I'm intrigued to see how they're gonna put everything into it because at least with film, yeah, it can be more concise. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm 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 worried it will come across a little bit rushed. I think that was something I was worried about with the film was that I didn't really care about Joseph because he kind of was chop change chop change chop change. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit where he's at the end, like Pharaoh's protege, and he's mean to his brothers. Sure. And I thought that just was like really mean of Joseph. Like, obviously, yes, I know his brother sold him into slavery, but Joseph being like his pure character. They didn't just sell him into slavery. They were like, let's kill him. Yes. And then we're like, oh, hey, we could do with some cash, actually. But moralistically, I remember feeling it just felt wrong that Joseph was like getting... He's testing them. He's not getting revenge. But it it felt mean in the film. Sure. So I wonder how that's going to come across here. Mm Mm-hmm. You you love Joseph. Yeah, I have very fond childhood memories of it. I've seen it a bunch of times. I was in it a couple of times when I was a kid. And you have put the Mega Mix onto my driving playlist. I love the Mega Mix. It's one of the things I'm the most excited about with this episode is getting to see the Mega Mix live. Yeah, because we didn't experience it with the film. Yeah, no, it's over the credits in the film, so yeah, it doesn't really you don't count. Really, yeah. So yeah, that will be fun to see the Mega Mix live. Like I feel like that's going to be a really cool mm-hmm. curtain call sequence. Yeah. When, I mean, do you think I'm going to enjoy this more than the film? Yes. You always do. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I really love the film. Mm-hmm. So it's not difficult, but you think this is a better way to experience Joseph? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think because the film was very clearly made not to be watched by adults. Yeah in the setting in which we watch it, which was like, we put it on the TV and watched it through. The film, I think, comes across, it's very clearly made for primary schools. Yeah. And for kids. Whereas the show is all ages. So when you go and see it, it's not explicitly for children as much as the film, I think, comes across. Yeah. Because the film is very child audience interactive like you have the setting, like you said, of the primary school and the kids will run up into the stage and turn into the ensemble. Yeah. Whereas in this, there is a child ensemble, but oh, cool! it's done in a way that is different to the film. Okay. Interesting. So it's not a primary school, it's not a school setting. That's a construct that was made for the film. Okay. Cool. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there'd be like a kid ensemble. Do we get like... Early Joseph before Jack Yarrow then, like, becomes Joseph. Nope. Jack Yarrow's Joseph the whole time. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. We always have a great time at the New Victoria Theatre anyway. Yep. And I feel like this is going to be a really fun night. Mm, me too. You know, the songs are catchy and the songs are really, like, upbeat and positive. So it might be difficult to leave frowning. But I'll give it a try. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure. Uh, We will be back very shortly after intermission. Uh, Hopefully Pharaoh's Dream will get explained. Yep. But if not... We'll just have a Calypso instead. Yes. We will be back very shortly after intermission.
And we are back. That was the weirdest game of Dungeons and Dragons I've ever experienced. <laughs> you said that to me when we were in the theatre, that Joseph is just one weird, huge game of Dungeons and Dragons. It feels like it, like very much like the narrator is your dungeon master, kind of like explaining things and putting Joseph into all these ridiculous ones. Mm. It's like the whole, like, definitely feels weird that like Pharaoh is going to this random prisoner for like advice on what his dreams mean and Joseph has just hold like rolled a really high charisma check or deception check sure you know but like the narrator right so one of the things I'm just gonna say straight off the bat is I love that the narrator embeds themselves in it yeah so obviously when we watched the film the narrator was the narrator mm-hmm. you had different people so like Richard Attenborough was it Richard Attenborough or was it David Richard Attenborough, Richard Attenborough. Was like Jacob, yeah. But he was also the head teacher at the school, right? With this, what I loved was seeing our narrator become these different characters. So Lindsay Hatley is also Jacob Mm -hmm. with like a big like fake fake beard beard and and is Oh, it's not Potiphar. Is it Potiphar? Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife. Potiphar was played by a child. Yes. So I really so it felt very D&D-esque in the fact that here's our narrator, here's our dungeon master who's becoming the NPCs Mm -hmm. as Joseph kind of goes through it. I thought it was great though. Yeah, so with this version, the framing device, I suppose, is that... I don't know whether this is what it's supposed to be or whether this is just how I interpreted it, but it basically looks like a bunch of kids on some kind of Sunday school retreat where they've gone out into the the desert and they're all sat because they're all wearing little puffer jackets, yeah. and like denim jackets and stuff. It's clearly they're camping. You've got Lindsay Hatley as the narrator telling, starting to tell them this story. You've got the fire pit in the middle and she's going round and she's including them in the story. Yes. And then the back wall opens and we oh, and Joseph great. comes out and it was really cool. The it, overture is amazing for this show. Obviously, this one is on my overture playlist. I do like the overture for this. Like it feels really like welcoming but also magical like sets up the weird magic tones for this it it does kind of establish that anything's possible with this like Mm -hmm. it does just feel really inspiring and really just iconic isn't it It, it's so difficult to explain how the majesty you get from hearing it yeah i i still kind of feel like this has like you say you know with maybe your sunday school retreat for me it does have maybe the like primary school vibes to it that you've got this primary teacher who's going to tell the story i imagine it's like if i was the narrator here's me telling the kids and then in comes one of my teacher friends or in comes a ta Mm -hmm. to play joseph you know this is me bringing our our good friend andy in to play joseph yeah like when i teach rs at school Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go to andy and go like can you do me a favor I want you to play Joseph when I teach RS. I'm going to bring you in and you've just got to sing about your coat and mm-hmm. we're going to do all this to you. Yeah, for sure. Which Andy would do as well. Oh yeah, for sure. He definitely would. <laughs> but it definitely makes me feel like this is a more modern Joseph, but is also having an influence of maybe the film that other Joseph productions haven't had. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I really like this really welcoming atmosphere. Like you say, the kids are all sat in this circle and our narrator comes and is all like patting them on the heads and interacting with them. Like she takes selfies at times. She does. My favourite thing is 
this right this is such a stupid gripe to have i hate it when i go to see shows and somebody will have a mobile phone yeah and they've it's obviously not a real phone or it is a phone and they've just stuck a picket a sticker over the top of it to yeah. show that like it's on the home screen and so when she was taking selfies there were bits where yeah. you, because she was holding up and facing the audience, you can see the sticker that's got the home screen on. And I was like, you didn't take that it's picture. It's not a minor gripe, though, I, I don't think. Because in a show that has such wonderful costumes, such wonderful sets and props, that's an oversight. Just do. So this was a thing with Six. When Six was originally running, the actor who was playing Anne Boleyn would actually take a selfie yes. every single show. There's a thing with Cats where... In Cats, there's a moment where there's a big, like, old flashbulb camera and they always, for the cast, put an iPad into it and it will be that the tugger has a picture with somebody in the audience and afterwards you can get that picture sent to you because they actually take a picture on this thing and the flashbulb goes off. And that's cool. And I think it would be really cool to have it be in this, you know, media age that we live in that... They actually take a picture every show. Yeah. Lindsay Hatley takes a picture with the audience every show and it goes on their Joseph homepage, especially yeah. because they're on tour. Yeah. Like, welcome to Woking, welcome yeah. to Birmingham, welcome to Manchester, you know? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, it is something that... It doesn't have to be her phone. No, 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 because it probably safeguarding-wise shouldn't be her phone, but it wouldn't be difficult for you to have a prop phone mm-hmm. that is just used for these one or two scenes yeah. that then... The, has no service on it or anything, but it's just taking a picture. Yeah, and then your stage manager instantly uploads it, clears it, mm-hmm. bish, bash, bosh. I agree, it's a minor gripe, but it is what it is, isn't it? Like, if, if you see that, it does have an impact. Joseph comes through these doors, and the first thing that really strikes me is just how much I love Joseph's coat. Mm-hmm. This coat is amazing. It's very much like the squip in like his his coat that he wears when he's gone like full powerful yeah but the colors on it are really amazing mm-hmm. like compared to your traditional like joseph in a maybe like woolen coat or like a very clearly knitted coat with like wool this is far more like futuristic and space age yeah and it still has all the panels in it with the different colors yes it's got the star of david on the back of it because obviously joseph and his family would have been jewish yes which i think is a cool thing to add in yeah um but yeah i liked his coat in this i like how stiff the sleeves are yeah so when he moves they stay like billowy which is cool i yeah and the way like when he turns you have like the panels at the back like the tailcoat aspect Mm -hmm. of it that's really nice the stage has some constellations now you know constellations better than me as you sing you're like any dream will do where you see the constellations mm-hmm. did they mean anything to you were they actual constellations or the one in the middle was the pole star the you know the bear yeah and then the other ones were all just sort of from what i could tell they were either the wrong way round or upside down but i couldn't tell what they were I liked it though. It's a really nice set, and you know you've got this really nice bit as Joseph comes out, and again it is like teacher with the TA introducing themselves, mm-hmm. and he's greeting the kids. I like the bits where he makes the kids stand up so he can stand on their seats and the seats light up. Mm-hmm. That was really nice. It's really cool. like simple choreography, but it was a really nice like 
opening to this world. And then we start. I like this description here. Like I just I refer to Wikipedia sometimes when we do the live shows just to make sure I have the plot. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> what I like is the way it describes any dream will do at this point is Joseph sings an inspiring but seemingly meaningless song to the audience. Yeah, if you Which don't know the story, it's definitely meaningless. Isn't wrong. Because it is the plot of the show. It is, and it makes more sense when we reprise it later. But I like that book ending that, you know, we have any dream will do twice. Mm -hmm. That it's like, I'm telling you a story, but now you know the story. You can kind of sing along with it more. Yeah. So we go to Jacob and Sons. We 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 learn you know that joseph is jacob's favorite he's got many wives and many children but joseph is the most like him and like joseph's mother was the kindest so jacob loves him more and kind of lives vicariously through him yeah i love the bit where all the sons come forward and we have some of the kids yep like with their fake beards on. And this again just makes me think that now we're in the minds of the children as they're learning this story. And it's like, you know, when you have like your insert character and sometimes you just picture yourself mm -hmm. and like they're just in this story, but they're picturing like the grown ups around them. I just thought it was really sweet. Yeah. That the children become such a vital part of it. They're not just here at the beginning of Act One act two and the end they're actually in it all the way through it as part of these characters like it's mm -hmm. the way they're viewing the story and again you've got the narrators like and uh david david you step up and you're going to be one of the brothers and sophie you can be one of the brothers too stand up now and just look for, you know like you have that kind of mm -hmm. i thought it was really cute i just really liked it and there's like the bits where the brothers are interacting like oh that joseph and they're just interacting with the kids and it looks so seamless yeah like it's not a distraction with some shows where you have like young members of the cast and you're like, oh, well, that's clearly a child. You just see them as like on par with each other. It's really, really cool. So obviously this show is sung all the way through. Yes, I completely forgot that. Yeah. And obviously there are bits where like people just say things like there's some good jokes where the kids will have one liners or the brothers will have one liners. But generally... It is sung all the way through. Yes. So, so far we've had the prologue, Any Dream Will Do, and then we're going to Jacob and Sons, like you said about all the yeah. brothers, the kids becoming the brothers. Not all of them, some of them. Yeah. Which I liked. We have, obviously, the narrator becomes Jacob, and every time she's saying his lines, she'll pull her beard down. Yes. As if she's talking to us, so like we're in on the joke of it as well, which I like. Yeah, I thought that was good. And we get Joseph's coat yes. as he is gifted his coat of many colours. Mm -hmm. It was red and yellow and green and blue and burgundy, violet, silver and gold. It hurts me that you don't know the one. <laughs> I don't listen to the song. Go on then, what is it? Red and yellow and green and brown and scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and olive and violet and fawn and russet and lemon and chocolate and mauve and cream and crimson and silver and something well i, I got silver <laughs> and blue <laughs> silver and blue and it is a wonderful coat like because he's wearing like a little waistcoat at the time and he takes the waistcoat off they bring it on, on like a mannequin and they swap it around mm -hmm. and it's very very nice 
And the brothers are obviously not impressed. Yes, because the next song opens with Joseph's coat annoyed his brothers. <laughs> yeah. Which is fair. Seems a little harsh because Joseph isn't the youngest, he's the second youngest. I remember we talked about this originally when we covered it. Yeah. Um, Benjamin is the youngest. Joseph is like second to last. And he is getting all of this love because Jacob preferred his mum to all of the other characters. Because also moms. Joseph's mum is dead, whereas the other mums are still there. No, in this we don't see any of the mothers because all of the women characters are the the all of the women characters are the wives of the sons. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because they're all credited as Asher's wife, Dan's wife, you know. Because it was Asher's wife, Dan's wife, <laughs> Simeon's wife. You know what I mean, though. Yes. Brothers and wives. So Joseph's coat and Joseph's dream, we learn that he's kind of rude to his brothers sometimes. Well, yes. he doesn't know when to shut up, I think, is the... Uh... Yeah, because he can interpret dreams, and he had this dream that his corn was better than everyone else's corn. Yep. But he also saw his brother's corn bowing to his corn, which yep. showed that he was going to be better than them, so... He also saw the sun, moon, and stars all bowing down before him in this dream, and he said he thinks he's probably going to be in somebody's government or ministry, so... He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but at this point, the brothers are like, will you shut up? You're literally a shepherd. But it's the way he goes about it is it's like, just read a room, Joseph. Mm -hmm. Like, just read the room. And the thing is, as this song goes on, they start out complaining about how ridiculous what he's saying sounds. Yeah. And they're all sat around on cushions as well. And their wives bring on their tap shoes, which is so funny. And obviously, you love a tap dance. It's I your favourite part of any show. I love the mystic arts that are tap. Yep. It can't be explained. It's just magic. I would love to take you to a tap dance class. It's just magic. Yeah. Like, it really is. Like, how them putting their foot down can create different clicks. It's just so cool. Mm -hmm. I love it. But they sit and they put their tap shoes on as this, this scene goes on. And obviously, Joseph's telling the whole story. And then mm. they... Break into their angry little tap dance. A little Billy Elliot angry dance. Mm -hmm. What I like is that actually, in terms of cause and effect, Joseph has his vision. His vision's only going to come true because of his bad attitude towards his brothers. Yeah. None of this happens in terms of domino effect if not for Joseph. If he doesn't tell them about the dreams, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing is, as this song goes on, at the start, they're like, God, he's so boring. Will you shut up about these dreams? And then by the end of it, they're like, oh, hang on, actually, he seems to be quite good at interpreting dreams. What if these dreams start coming true? We're going to have to get rid of him. Yeah. Which is super funny. Yeah, I love the little tap dance, but I also like how it ended where they took their tap shoes off. And, and they tap, them. they clap them for the last tap because they've taken them off. It's yeah, very, very great. cool. It feels very much like each song style comes with different footwear for the brothers and the wives yeah because you just usually they're wearing soft sandals and then we have the tap shoes which look like the sandals but obviously are tap versions yes. later on we have uh, color themed cowboy boots that match every individual brother's outfits which are incredible which is appropriate because cool. we're going to the western themed song with one more angel in heaven yeah and it's the same for the wives they get all the same shoes as the brothers yeah. which is very cool 
So the brothers plan to do away with Joseph. They're going to yep. throw him in a pit. Yeah. He fell in the pit. This is where we have one of my favourite jokes in this entire version, yeah. which was one of the kids comes on dressed as the goat that yes. they're going to kill. Yes. To cover um, Joseph's coat in so that it looks like he did actually get killed. And the little girl that is dressed as the goat, they all sing, will cover his coat in blood and guts and gore. And the lighting goes all red. And then this little girl goes, wait a second. You said this would be fun. You said dress up as a goat. It'll be fun. And she just I, turns and walks off. I really liked like, that, that bit. That was a really good little moment. <laughs> it's really good. I, I love the little puppet tricycle camels that come out. Oh, I love that they have different faces and different yeah. personalities. You have the one that spits, whose tongue's hanging out all the time. Yeah, spits and then the other Joseph. one that's just like there. Docile, yeah. And they're bicycles. It's made around a, a I think a tricycle, I think is what yeah. it's made around, which are really difficult to control. Yeah, I thought it was really, really great how you've got like, you know, this the tricycle comes out and then people are holding the camel head. I thought it was a really cool little prop. Yeah. And a really nice when it's one of the things that you said before we went in to see it was that you were excited to see how the sets were done because of things like Egypt in the film. Yeah, is this one huge set where you have the pharaoh's head and it opens its mouth and the pharaoh comes out of it and stuff. Or the sphinx head? Is it sphinx? I can't remember, but it's one of the things I was looking forward to the spectacle of this and the spectacle is small things like this where you had really does not let you down, does it? No, it really doesn't. We'll talk about those sets. A little bit more in a moment because even before this scene because they're now gone they had this canopy of multicolored fabrics yeah. and like tapestries which just got hung up by the kids i think yeah that then raised into the air and it made this little canopy of like where jacob and sons live and that was amazing and i was just sat there like this is so cool and then when they disappear in this scene they just get pulled and there's obviously a release mechanism or a magnet or something yeah so they just whip into the air incredible oh yeah it's amazing so joseph has been sold to ishmaelites Mm -hmm. and you know they go off ready to tell their excuses Mm -hmm. to jacob like You've had poor, poor, poor Joseph, da, 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 which is fun. And then we go into the one more angel in heaven. Yeah. So they have to break the news and they're like aware now, like, oh, no, we've actually got to tell Jacob, who loves this boy, what he's done. How do we give him the news? Well, (laughs) I know. Let's have a hoedown. (laughs) Yes, they have a hoedown. Do the hoedown. Throw down, throw down. Do the hold down, throw down. But yes, uh, it's it's a fun song. And I really do like the choreography for this number as well. Me too. It's so cool. I like. I love it... that the narrator joins in and she's got the little bandana on. Yes. And just the whole thing is great. But again, like her performance, like she looks really sad as Jacob. Like she's all like, oh, my boy, my boy. Yep. It's really like good. Mm-hmm. And just the interaction between the sons and Jacob like you can you know even the sons themselves where they push one of them forward it's like you're the one who's gonna like tell him this yeah the lead brother yeah Matt Gibson who plays Reuben who is the one that gets pushed forward and forced to be in charge he was fantastic and Reuben was always the 
sort of being forced to do all of the stuff because then he sings Canaan Days as well later on. Yes. He was great. He's been in loads of stuff too. Yeah, I really liked him. I think he was definitely the, one of the strongest of the brothers. Oh, he's going to be in Wonka. Nice. The uh, Willy Wonka prequel. Yeah, the Netflix one with Timothy Chalamet. Movie. Yeah, filmed in Oxford. That's cool though. We've had that a lot on a lot of our programs that Wonka keeps cropping up. I think Footloose yeah. had a few wonkers. And it's really weird because nowhere have I seen that it's going to be a musical. Are they all playing Oompa Loompas? Maybe. Or maybe maybe it is a musical. I don't know. Let us know if you know things. Tell yeah. us. He was also Woody in Toy Story the Musical and the Disney Cruise Line. That's which cool. Which I love. <laughs> well, um, Bobby Winderbank. Mm-hmm who was Pharaoh, is also listed for Little Mermaid as films. Yes, the new one. Yeah, that has to be the new one. So very, very cool. Mm -hmm. We go to Egypt. And obviously Joseph is slave to wealthy Potiphar. Yep. We get the really nice entrance of Potiphar where he's carried on and it's one of the little boys, who is my favourite boy. Like, I think, like, one of my favourite child performers in this. Yes, I agree. Uh, this actor made me think of in How I Met Your Mother. You know the episode where Robin is dating a dad? And like you see the really awkward bit where she's like talking with the son and she thinks the son's going to be like, are you my new mummy? Mm-hmm. I thought this kid had the same kind of look. All of the kids in this show were incredible. They were, And absolutely. a lot of them, for a lot of them, this was... Their musical debuts, like a lot of them come from drama schools, but a lot of them also come from Saturday drama schools, yes. you know, where they go to their drama club for fun. They, I, I genuinely feel they uh, commanded the stage with the same professionalism and ability of the more seasoned actors. Mm -hmm. And they were an absolute asset to the show. With some children actors, you can obviously have moments where they're weaker and it's noticeable. Yeah. It didn't ever come across that way with Joseph. Mm -hmm. But this bit was great because in comes Potiphar. He's reading the newspaper and Joseph is giving him drinks and he's like, you know. Yeah, because Joseph is very quickly promoted to being the head of Potiphar's household. Yes. And yeah, so it's his job to keep him happy, basically. Um, I guess trigger warning for maybe the next five minutes. Yeah, you. I'll let you talk about this because this is something you I really, really don't, really don't really, like. Really, really didn't like this. So we have Lindsay Hatley, narrator, becomes Potiphar's wife, and we kind of establish that Potiphar's wife isn't maybe as loyal and just gets away with things because Potiphar buries his head in the sand, or he's like aware of these affairs, but there's no way to prove it. And we have a sequence where. Basically, she wants Joseph. Yes. And tries she thinks to... he's cute and she wants to get with him. I don't like that this scene is played for laughs, especially when you have Joseph, who is visibly uncomfortable by it. And it's, you know, played for laughs. I don't think that's OK. If this was Joseph going after Potiphar's wife, there'd be outcry. Yeah. If this was played for laughs. Mm -hmm. I think that same standard should be upheld here. 
just because I don't think it's appropriate. And you do have the audience laughing, but I do think the performance of it is going like they're directed to try and make you laughing. Like Lindsay Hatley's got this like really funny expression on her face. Yeah, there's a lot of like her going to grab his butt and it's so funny. And then like And I think the one part I do like of this sequence is the way that they do his costume change. Yes. Which is that she pulls him under this was it a lion? It was a lion or a bear or a tiger or oh my. It's like a skin rug. Yes. Basically, animal skin rug. And so they both go underneath it and then she obviously pulls his costume or like unclips his costume so that when he stands up, he's just in his like hammer pants. However, the thing that I don't like is that it feels here that they actually have had sex. Yeah, compared to the other one, which this is way, way worse. Because... At least in the other one, she was... It's still bad. Yeah. She's groping him and everything. But when Potiphar comes in, he's just sat there. Yes. And she's all over him. Whereas here, like, they're underneath the bare skin rug. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of flipped up to reveal. Like, because Potiphar hears the noise and he comes up and he finds Joseph in this state. I just don't... I think it's important. And obviously, this as a scene needs to happen. And I'm not against it as a scene. But I think I'm against the intent of the scene that it should be portrayed as being more serious and less funny yes yeah you know it's oh how funny this man's getting assaulted by a woman because in the description of the scene it says joseph catches the eye of mrs potiphar and although he turns down her advances potiphar sees them together and jumps to the wrong conclusion whereas in this version there isn't any wrong conclusion they clearly are supposed to have slept together yeah and it's very much as well predatory behavior from Potiphar's wife yeah and I just think it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and yeah it's a double standard we wouldn't have that if it was Joseph pursuing Potiphar's wife yeah I just think it's something to be talked about it's the one thing in this show that I didn't enjoy that like took my enjoyment out of it yeah I just don't think it was necessary for the laughs you know Joseph gets thrown in jail He's probably happier. He's not got some nasty woman harassing him in jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, threat of death, yes, but might be a little bit more peaceful. Yeah, so we have close every door to me here. The jail set is gorgeous. Like, it very much reminded me of the Matilda, the school gates. Yes. Where the kids can climb up it and look through yeah. certain parts of it. Because that drops down and you have like a little gate in the middle, but you have the kids kind of staring through and some of them are climbing up as they watch Joseph's story. And again, it's very nice because it's like this peak moment where, you know, your little teaching assistant, your little teacher has come in and is performing the role and all the kids are just watching this really pivotal, like dramatic monologue. Yeah. And Close Every Door is gorgeous. Like this is the thing about jack yarrow's voice Mm -hmm. is it's incredible at going through a range of different emotions so you have like these these real triumphant moments and like really dynamic fun moments are like any dream will do is full of triumph and go 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 joseph is just fun yeah you also have like this vulnerability mm-hmm. with close every door and not many actors can actually showcase that when it comes to shows yeah you know and i i think 
this is a really heart-wrenching moment for this character who in the film I didn't care for as much because he felt arrogant and I just yeah I think Donny Osmond does a really good job in the film but I think the issue is just sometimes because of the pacing of it and there is that distance of you're watching through a TV screen you don't necessarily empathize with Joseph as much here but I think here especially because I've just watched this scene where I felt uncomfortable for him and like you've seen him go from like he's got the world at his fingertips and now he's rock bottom and isolated and alone and just the the beauty of his voice singing this was, was just an amazing moment I think Donny Osmond is also a little older looking than Jack Yarrow yeah. Jack Yarrow has a very baby face which is a good thing in this yes. case because you want your Joseph to seem young and innocent really because otherwise like you say we can he can be really arrogant yeah and you don't want that at this point but that his version of close every door to me was fantastic yeah i just really, loved really it good. i thought this was amazing and it got a huge cheer at the end of the song it's one of those great shows where at the end of every song people are clapping mm. we get two prisoners enter we get um the butler of the pharaoh and the baker and Joseph explains he can tell, uh, interpret dreams. So the butler tells Joseph their dream. Yeah. There was a weird pronoun joke here, which um, is like, he, you know, Joseph uses he, him pronouns. Oh, for the butler? For the butler, and the butler's like, she. And Joseph corrects himself, which is the right thing to do. And then the rest of the song is she for the butler, but you, they should have just said she. They should have just said she. That's what I thought. I, did, I didn't like... I like that Joseph was just, oh, sorry, she. That That's good. That's what it should be. It's basically just... The joke is there because the butler's role is being played by a girl in this cast, and maybe it's a girl every time. But obviously they have like 30 kids yeah. on cast for this show. However, how many kids would you say were in this? 10? Yeah. So they obviously reel them over because it's a tour, but... Is the butler historically like a male role? In the movie, it's a man. It's an adult man in the movie. Yes, because it's one of... I think it's like Winston Churchill from um, Doctor Who slash David Tennant's dad in Nativity 2. No, he's the... It's like Christopher Biggins. He's Potiphar. It's Christopher Biggins is the baker yeah. and the butler is a tall skinny guy who I don't know. Off the I wonder yet. if it's because the song is historically the butler is he and they've made that as a joke because they've recast it but again. It just... It's just like, pointless and it stops the song. Yes. We're like in this heartbreaking song and it just like, you're like, okay, please keep singing. It's one of those things, you've got all this empathy for Joseph and then he does that and you're like, oh, Joseph. Shush, come on. But Joseph interprets the butler's dream which is like you'll be fine and then the baker says their dream and joseph's like oh you're gonna die you're gonna die i'm sorry i can't be positive really Mm. really sorry sorry (laughs) and then you know they the 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 children in the background who are like just watching encourage joseph yeah and they get like go 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 joseph and this is really weird because it starts off in the jail cell Mm-hmm. Then he leaves the jail cell. I'm like, oh, he's free. And then it's high school Josical. Yes. And it's like he stepped out of the jail cell into uh, the, the early 2000s as you have cheerleaders and jocks 
doing the go, 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 Joseph, da, 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 which is such a great song, but it's a weird visual. And I was like, okay, this has to be his dream sequence. Like he's dreaming of like a really positive day when he's freed. But it was a little bit jarring initially. Yeah. Before I finally got the point they were going for. Yeah, I think so. What did you think of the cheerleader sequence? I liked it. It very much reminded me of But I'm a Cheerleader in the way that everybody was acting, like overacting, Yeah, which I like. What was it in the film? It's go-go dancers in the film, which yeah. makes a little more sense because that's the, the tone of that specific musical sequence. Um, I liked it though. I thought it was cool. I liked it. I just thought it was initially. I liked like... that everyone had the wigs, the like yeah. funny wigs. Like that was really good. Yeah, I just think it took me out of the moment for just just for a second. It was like in the Grinch, you know, where he gets stuck in the chimney for a moment or two. But did that stop the old Grinch? No. He kept going, and then yeah, we get the interval. Nice yeah. little break, and it has flown by very very quickly. You know, we've done this forty five minutes. But mm-hmm. It's flown by very very quickly. Yeah. And we get back in Ready for Act 2. We get the most brilliant entr'act. And you've got our musical director is John Rigby. And, like, the audience are, like, getting involved. And there's, like, his energy, like, when he starts the flourish for the uh, opening, Mm -hmm. but also for the entr'act, like, it's so brilliant. He looks like he's having the best time conducting this. But there's a nice like glance towards the audience as they're getting involved and he mm-hmm. watches. I just thought that must have been so much fun. Like hearing your audience be that involved and that invested in the music that you're playing must be such an experience. Yeah. It's great. Really loved it. And John Rigby he- heads up an absolutely incredibly talented orchestra. Mm-hmm. Act two. We start with the narrator... You know, again, very much like we were in the first scene, bringing the children... We're around the little campfire again, and she's explaining how Pharaoh works, except this time there's two pyramids in the background. Yes. With the sun behind it, and then she moves all the stuff. Oh, this was so cool. You have that one moment as well where one of the boys steps forward... Mm-hmm. And it's pretending to be Pharaoh. Oh, because there's got a the screen silhouette. and then yeah. the silhouette of the Pharaohs in the background. And it's the same boy that played Potiphar. Yeah, but you've got the actual Pharaoh there with like the Pharaoh's girls at the side and they're moving. And the synchronisation was really well done as well. I thought it was a really nice moment. And then Joseph shows up, you know, silhouetted, like broken down. Yeah. Pharaoh's obviously had some dreams. Nobody can really tell what's going on. And Pharaoh just seems like a little down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. So we get Pharaoh's story, learning all about what's been going on. And it's a nice like little bit of introduction, nice bit of like exposition. And then we get the Pharaoh's song as the butler is kind of explaining, oh, I know somebody who can sh- who can tell dreams really, really well. They're actually in your jail, so you should you should bring them up. And if, if they do a good job, you should free them. Yep. And Pharaoh brings Joseph up and we get, I think, the best song of the night. Mm-hmm. I I would say this is my best song. Because we get Song of the King. Yeah, you love this song. This I, is who you would want to play, right? Yes. I love this song. I thought it was really, really fun. One of the things I want to talk about is how amazing this set is, first of all, though. Because mm-hmm. you've always got the hieroglyphs. You've got a little phantom hieroglyph, like the phantom's mask. 
Yeah, that was cool. There's also a burger on the other yep. side, which I always I was really funny. Trying to see if I could see any other references to other Andrew Lloyd Webbers, like if there was going to be like a little glass slipper for Cinderella, or if there was going to be like. What I a can cat. tell, there's always. I mean, there's going to be a cat. It's in Egypt. No, I know, but, but a specific cat, you know. Yeah, like, no. From what I can tell, there's always the um, the Pharaoh's mask, the Phantom's mask. Yeah, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's little signature. Mm-hmm. It's his version of the hidden Mickey. Ugh. Yeah. But you also have like the statue of Anubis, and I can't remember the Falcon Gods. It's Horus. So you have the statue of Anubis and Horus, mm-hmm. and they're there, and it just looks very, very cool. It's all gold. It looks very, very royal, very, very regal, and as. Bobby Winderback stands up to do Pharaoh's song. You get guitars swinging yeah. for the statues. You get uh, from the ceiling comes down the... Welcome to Egypt, Las the, Vegas sign. Yeah, yeah, although I thought the, the way Egypt was about is it looked more like Star Wars font than Las Vegas font. I think it's just meant to stand out a bit yeah, more. Yeah, it was very cool. And, you know, Pharaoh shakes his hips mm-hmm. the girls go crazy there's one moment where there's a girl on on the floor mm-hmm. facing down and pharaoh comes up behind, like walks over her backwards and she looks up and her mouth is just like <gasps> and i just lost my mind laughing at that because yeah. like the way her eyes widened and her mouth was like oh my god like looking up pharaoh's skirt was just such a choice mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't even want to know why that's happened, but I love it. The way, uh, like, he, uh, Pharaoh's hip shakes are amazing. You've got, like, the back of his costume says the king. It does feel like Elvis lives in this Mm. little, like, pyramid tomb. I thought it was great. It was such a fun little sequence. And then you have one of the rare moments of speaking where Joseph is like, I understand this. But I don't understand. But could you give it to me again, Mr. Pharaoh Man? (laughs) Yeah, with the seven cows. And the Pharaoh just like (sighs) looks like exhausted and resets Mm -hmm. and just goes again. Yep. And they do the exact same thing. And it's so high energy and it's so brilliant. The audience are having a great time. They're clapping along, they're cheering. I think it's such a shame that this is the only sequence Pharaoh's in. Because Bobby Winderbank is amazing, I'd love to have seen him do more. However, I'm also glad Pharaoh's not overused. Yeah. Like, this is a really great moment to shine. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Leave me wanting more of the Pharaoh as opposed to the Pharaoh outstaying his welcome. Yeah. That's the best balance you can have, like, with anything. Leave your audience wanting more. Perfect. They They nailed it. And, yeah, Joseph figures out what the dreams mean. Mm-hmm. We get the Pharaoh's Dreams Explained song. And Joseph gets a promotion. Just like his dream said, he is going to serve in a government. He is going to be Pharaoh's number two. Mm-hmm. I think that's how the song goes. Joseph. Yes, that's Pharaoh's number Stone two. the Crows. Pharaoh said, well, Stone the Crows. Yeah. And we actually then jump forward like seven years. We jump forward 
14 years. 14 years. Well, because it's seven years of bumper crops and then seven years of famine. Yes. And we're in the famine. So, yeah, and, and that's what's really nice is that Joseph's dream has again come true mm-hmm. and we're living it. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice bit where the narrator's like, you should think this story's over because Joseph's happy and everything's hunky-dory. But, but what about his brothers? Let's see how fate has... Uh, karma has hit them real hard. I mean, it's interesting because, like, do we actually care about the brothers? I always think that at this point, and I think it more in the film than I do in the stage show because, I'll be honest, those Canaan days is my skip it song. Yeah. And so, I think this song goes on too long. Yeah. And I liked this version better than the film version because the film version has this stupid fly joke and I hate that. Yes. But this version was a lot more fun, I think. Oh, yeah. And I especially like the bit where it's like the can-can. Like, and that's, again, Lindsay Hatley coming in and getting it wrong. And I just think it's really, really very fun. Yeah, I said Canaan days, not can-can days. I, I just, because she has a really nice interaction with the brother who's in charge here. Is it Ruben? It's Simeon. Simeon. So it's a nice interaction with him. But she also had some great interaction with Pharaoh, where she's there schmoozing with Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. which is great. She's just in as the narrator this time. And I love it. This song, and I've obviously done a little bit of research before I make this claim, because I don't want to come across an idiot. Joseph came before Les Mis. Yep. However, coming out of the theatre, I genuinely was like, oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber really liked Empty Chairs at Empty Tables, didn't he? Because mm-hmm. that's what this song made me think of. The whole, like, French mystique of it. I just don't understand why it has to be French. He's done everything else up to this point. He's got, what? <laughs> I think... How many songs are left at this point? So we have Grovel Grovel, which is very musical theatre. Then we have Benjamin Calypso, which we have obviously Who's Calypso the thief. music. Who's the Thief, again, is um, just very musical theatre Andrew Lloyd Webber yeah like we've hit all of the different styles of music at this point so he's like what have I got left I don't know French (laughs) yeah but he could have had like a nice heavy metal vibe you know Mm -hmm. I just I feel like this one really stands out as like it's a sequence nobody needs like you know the story has capped off and yes we should get the closure of Joseph reuniting with his family but do we need a full feature sequence? Yeah. All about how they're struggling right here, right now. It It, it is fun at times, like especially when you get the can-can stuff and they're all in that. I think that's the only reason why it's French is can-can is notorious for like the Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. But it, it just, it, it definitely does suck the life out of the show at this point, which fair enough kind of what it's going for is a vibe yeah but you know you've been in the theater for what an hour and a half at this point there's a natural tendency for your att- your attention to drop anyway and this is that point in the show it's really important you have something high energy yep to kind of gear you up yeah it's my skip song too it's very well performed like this is no shade on the performers they do a really good job at making this sequence work yeah it's beautifully done it's really really nice and obviously the choreography and everything's fantastic we just don't like this song yeah they hear that egypt still has food so they're gonna go and beg for supplies Mm -hmm. fair enough in egypt they go and they grovel grovel to joseph they have no idea who he is and joseph is kind of like enjoying and reveling in this 
I love his like fairy costume. Wouldn't you though? Yeah, you would. You yeah, like, who would. wouldn't? It's like, look who's come crawling back. I knew it. <laughs> I I tell you what I realised at this point is for a show called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Joseph has spent more of the show out of his dream coat than in it. Yeah, but it's the catalyst for this whole thing. So. Yeah. But if you go there just as a fan of the coat, I feel like you might be a little bit disappointed. He doesn't even put it back on at the end, does no. he? No. It does for the Mega Mix. Yeah, for the Mega Mix. But he can't Do you know why, though? Because it's covered in blood. how hot that coat would be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, not worth I it. I completely understand. I just love this coat. But, yeah. you know, that so is So we get, is. they grovel, grovel. And then Joseph gives them all the uh, grain and stuff that they want. And then he sneaks around and hides a golden cup in Benjamin's bag to test the brothers to see whether or not they would take care of each other. Now, whether they've learned anything, basically. Now, this is the thing. I don't like that he does it to the youngest because then he's just as bad as all the other brothers were to him, where it's like all the older ones taking out on Joseph. And he's just like, well... I'm, I I could have done it to Reuben. Reuben's the one who did it. Would they sell him down the river? Or I could have done it to Simeon. Yeah, I'm going to pick on the, the youngest. Point. He picks the most vulnerable one because he was pretty vulnerable. I know. And I get it. It, it is part of it. It's because have they learned? Are they going to sell their weaker, younger brother down the river? Yeah. And it is. And I prefer it here than I did in the film. In the film, it felt mean-spirited. Here, it genuinely felt like yeah, Joseph has to do this to actually see if they are better people. Mm-hmm. And I still don't really like Benjamin Calypso. Oh my God, but the kid was so The cute. kid was so... Again, it's not a slight on the performers because the performers were amazing and they did a really good job with this sequence. But I just feel like it's it's that suddenness of the song. You know how you talk about it in the past, especially like jukebox musicals? Yeah. Where you suddenly hear the... We built this city. And it's just so like jarring because it's a song you know, but now it's done in a musical theatre style. I feel like the intro to this song is so jarring because it just suddenly happens. Mm. And we've gone full in with the Calypso style. Yeah. But it hasn't built up to it. Whereas if you had a bit of singing that kind of built into it and then it went Calypso, maybe it wouldn't be as bad. You know, not bad, noticeable. Sure, I love this song. I think it's hilarious. This song, I definitely prefer it here than I did previously. And hearing it in the mega mix and stuff, like I really like the, you know. Yeah, it's a really nice song and I enjoyed it far more here. And they, all the brothers have learned their lesson. They're Finally, yeah. For Benjamin, you know. We get Joseph all the time. Benjamin. Which I always think should be called Joseph all along. Yes. Because that's what they mean. Like, oh, it was Joseph all along. It was Joseph all along. Yeah, but it's called Joseph all the time. I guess because it was Joseph all the time. Yeah. And they're all... Because he, 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 he comments on how he once had a dream of the corn bowing to him. And now, lo and behold, the brothers are in fact bowing to him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Joseph. And they're all very happy to see him. It's a really nice reunion. And this one here, it does feel far more that, like, I understand why Joseph would, would work with them and be like, I'm okay. I'm not upset that you sold me. Yeah. Because, again, his trick was a little mean-spirited here. It feels very much it's like I knew you had it in you to be good people. Like, I, I forgave you years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really nice sequence. 
He sends for Jacob and you get in comes Jacob, Lindsay Hatley with her little beard waving as she rides a camel. Yeah. Oh, and you had this brilliant bit where Joseph was on a cart and it was the little boys that had to pick up the cart. It was the, the two cart. littlest boys who turned the cart around because oh, this like... is uh, Jacob in Egypt. Yeah. So it's uh, Jacob's on the back of the camel yeah. and then you have, and Joseph came to Egypt in a chariot of gold and it's pulled by adults yes. to start with and then the kids turn it around and we were just giggling so hard. With Why them, could like, it not have been the adults? Why didn't you just get the adults to turn it? These poor... two little kids strug- visibly struggling Bless them. to turn the thing around. They were so cute. Yeah. And we get our happy reunion with any dream will do. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, I do like it here. You know, now it makes sense because this mysterious song, we've been through it. It's been bookended. Yeah. We understand it now. And Joseph gets his coat back. Mm. Give me my coloured coat. His amazing coloured coat. Yeah. And then we get my favourite part of the entire show. The mega mix. Yes. Oh, the mega mix was so much fun. We're having the best time. You have to do the. It's the only thing that I like from. Um, it's the end of Stone the Crows and the start of those Canaan days. Is the narrator sings, and um, back in Canaan, the future looked rough. Yeah. And so we're we're all in the audience doing the clapping and everything for those bits of music. Oh, it's so good. If you are a TikTok person. Uh, there's a lot of people who have posted their videos of the Mega Mix onto TikTok, and it's so good. Yeah, it's just so good. Well, do you want to talk about another Joseph TikTok trend whilst we're here that you kind of started laughing about as you went into the theatre because you remembered it? Oh yeah, so so a while ago, he who must not be named, Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, Basically did, I think it was during lockdown, I can't remember. Basically he made a TikTok account and I'm sure... It wasn't during, oh yeah, during lockdown he made a TikTok account, but this was after his... Around Cinderella's ending. Yes. He posted a video where he was playing Any Dream Will Do and you were supposed to stitch it and sing along. Yes. And he did it with a bunch of songs, but this one was the one that caught on the most because people, instead of singing the real lyrics, would instead sing... I fired my cast, I didn't tell them. Which is absolutely hilarious and incredible. <laughs> so that's Found my favourite version of the song. Twitter yeah, basically. That the show would close. It's so funny. Well, because they did it very similar for Any Dream Will Do for the greatest show BBC special that you had. Jack Carey singing, but they had other people sending in their clips of them singing. And it was a really triumphant moment. Like, I feel like this song really does have that, like, Mm-hmm. community vibe to it mm. yes uh, the mega mix is just spectacular to be part of and it's so high energy and the audience are all up dancing clapping along and the performers are taking their bows it's a really fun way of having bows yeah i thought it was interesting just something like i noticed now i think the star of this show is Lindsay hatley because it's the narrator's story but I noticed that, you know, like with the battles that usually you save like the biggest or last. Joseph came out and then Pharaoh came out and then the narrator came out for the battles. Yeah. I would have thought for sure Pharaoh would have been first of those three. Pharaoh comes out, does some hip shaking, goes. Joseph comes out, gets their cheer, takes their bow and then the narrator comes out. So weird. 
why it's, it's definitely interesting i don't think there's a specific reason for it no i just just an interesting observation you know it would be like having who's the love interest in wicked fiero yeah it'd be like having <laughs> be like having glinda fiero alphabet yes and being like held the out you know what i mean <laughs> why are you here yeah sure like, it just it, it it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, I get that. Anyway, I, I I really had a great time with this. Like, bar that one moment with, you know, the questionable direction choice mm-hmm. with Joseph and the wife, I had a great time. Yeah. Obviously, I've already told you that my best song is "Song of the King." Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Followed very closely by Joseph Megamix, obviously. Yeah. My skip song is those Canaan days. Mm-hmm. What is your best song? The Megamix. Fair enough. It counts. It does count. No, it absolutely <laughs> counts. It's a very difficult show to choose a favourite for because there are some absolute bops in all of this. Like Any Dream Will Do is just a beautiful, like, calm song mm-hmm. and it builds really nice. Yeah. I think... Close Every Door was just so powerful. Go, 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 Joseph is is great. As is Joseph's Coat, but for me, absolutely. Song of the King. Yeah. Loved it. What was your skip song? Is is it those Canaan days? Canaan days, yeah. You have one person you can play in this one, I guess. Yeah, basically. But... I, mean, I don't mind so much. The narrator is the best character, in my opinion. You'd want to play the narrator. Would you ever want to play Joseph if you had the opportunity to? Or are you not fussed by playing Joseph? I don't know. I think if you'd have asked me when I was younger, I would have said I wanted to play Joseph. Yeah. But not. I don't really care so much anymore. You, you're happy being the narrator. I'd, have, I'd be I, really happy being the narrator. I actually think the narrator is a really good role. Yeah, me too. Like, I would have fun playing the narrator, especially playing up the whole idea of, like, I'm a teacher who's, like taking on some roles in this and i've got andy here to help out as i teach yeah. rs hello andy and i just i think you know i think it's a really fun role mm. and joseph's great but i i i just think i would love to come on it's like when we watch jesus christ superstar i'd love to come on for this one song this one moment and have like a really upbeat thing and i can just go sit feet up and enjoy watching backstage but yeah, for sure. You know. Uh, who's your MVP for this performance? Because this is a this is a tough choice, I think. It's it's definitely like I think for me it has to be Lindsay Hartley. Same. I thought that obviously Jack Yarrow is incredible. Yes. Bobby Windbank is such a good pharaoh. He was hilarious. Does so much like to maximize his minutes and leave that like, lasting impression. But Lindsay Hartley just so embodies this narrator character throwing herself into playing these other characters and like i've seen versions of this before where the person playing the narrator has done all of these kind of things yeah but hasn't physically embodied the other characters they're still just being them they're just dressed as somebody else yes. now which so she was just incredible she just looks like she's having the best time as well doing this right because I wasn't expecting her to multi I genuinely thought we were going to have somebody play Jacob. Because that's what I was used to with the film. Mm-hmm. So she's coming out. She's having such a blast. I think Jack Yarrow is is magnificent. And he holds his own. 
and carries on the legacy of playing Joseph mm-hmm. so well that, you know, if you've seen every single iteration of Joseph, I, I haven't. So I don't know how well people who have seen it might feel this statement goes, but I feel like Jack Yarrow owns the role and is a worthy succession to the actors who've played Joseph before him. Yeah. I can't see anyone being disappointed. I think the young cast are just incredible. Mm-hmm. And they are also like a consideration for MVP for me mm-hmm. because they own the stage without, you know, like we don't see them as children actors. They're just, they're part of the cast. But it is, it is Lindsay Hatley. She was just incredible. It's like when we saw Bedknobs and Broomsticks and you've got Rob Madge and they're just happy to be there. Like huge smile on their face. Everything they do, they're doing with like pride and they're just having so much fun that you're having fun watching them. Yeah. That's how I felt here with Lindsay Hatley. Mm-hmm. Over to the social accounts. Where we got loads of interaction on this this episode. Like some of the, the most votes for a long old time. On Twitter, 15% of people said have never seen it. 7% of people saying it's okay. 10% of people saying no, 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 Joseph. And 68% of people saying yes, this dream will do. At Jordan Doolan said, oh, you're going to love it. The whole cast is perfect. Set is stunning. Sound is incredible. And lighting is wonderful. Overall, it's bloody brilliant. Seen it hundreds of times over the years. Yeah. Tony at Theatre Flashback 1. I've seen Joseph five times over the years. The first time in 1985 with Mike Holloway as Joe. Mike was a big TV and pop name. He was in a band called Flintlock and the Tomorrow People. TV show, loved him. Next was 92 with Philip Schofield and Lindsay Hatley at the London Palladium. Pharaoh was played by the wonderful David Easter, one of my favourite characters ever on Brookside. Who comments probably too young to remember that. And I actually do remember Brookside. I don't remember watching it, but I know of it. Next was 94 in Chicago with the legendary Donny Osmond as Joseph. I got his autograph and a handshake afterwards. In 2008, I saw Lee Mead after winning the Andrew Lloyd Webber TV search for Joseph. That's who I saw as well, the Lee Mead version. And then I finally got to see the legend, Lindsay Hatley, again just a few months ago after 30 years. She's amazing. Yes, I like Joseph. Chantel at Chance Luz Shane. I've seen it many times. Jordan Doolan again saying the only person I haven't seen is Ada Jones. At I've bought ticket going today and twice tomorrow this production is the best. At Joseph underscore fans double S seen it so many times as you'd expect from a Joseph Twitter fan page. It's such a brilliant show you'll love it. On Instagram only 4% of people said they've never seen it. 15% of people saying no. 4% of people said it's okay. And an overwhelming 77% of people saying, yes, this dream will do. We had Liberty reply to our story saying, so jealous. I'm on holiday, so I couldn't be there. I love Joseph. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be sure to listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I hope you're having a great time or had a great time in Newquay. Whilst you're on holiday, Liberty. Uh, And Rach Louise said musical and cast were amazing. How does this compare to Joseph's you've seen? I think this is my favourite live version that I've seen, for sure. Is It felt to me like a, a Joseph for a modern audience. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of the set design, in terms of costumes, it felt like it had been very modernised 
so that it didn't stand out as a relic of the past. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment for me to say? Like having not seen previous Joseph, do you feel like it was modernised? They definitely updated some stuff. Obviously, I didn't see the Palladium version, so I don't know whether they've changed anything between the Palladium and the tour. This is the Palladium production, like they're, they're advertising as the Palladium production. So I reckon the only things that might have changed would have been like logistical stuff, maybe venue to venue. Yeah. But yeah, I think this production was really good, really updated, really just, it was so good. I had such a good time. What's your star rating for this one? Four and a half. It's four stars for me. What stops it being five stars for you? Because I think I'm quite, I think I've explained what stops it for me. I think I agree with you. I just, I think if they changed that, it would be a perfect joke. See, for me, it's that. And I think those Canaan days just sucks the soul out of me a little bit. See, but I get why those Canaan days is there. Yeah. Like, I can deal with it. It's not my favourite song, but... I definitely prefer the change in styles here far more than I did the film. Because, again, it feels very much like you could get the idea that this person who is telling the story, be, be them a Sunday school teacher or be them a primary school teacher or a secondary school teacher, what they're doing is possibly hitting on different styles that are popular. Like... You could imagine that they've taken a bit of Beyonce and they've taken a bit of this and they've taken a bit of this and they've taken a bit of this to help tell the story. So they've catered the songs to try to like reference songs that might be popular in this universe. Yeah. And for me, that makes it far more palatable to be like, oh, yeah, well, you would reference this and you would reference this to try and engage everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great time. Absolutely loved it. Next week. We're going to watch something a little bit more classical. Why have I got my era wrong? Depends what you think we're talking about next week. I thought we were talking about Thoroughly Modern Millie. No, next week is Pirate Week. Oh, it is. And then the week (laughs) after. The week after we're doing Thoroughly Modern Millie. So yes, we are travelling to the more classic. But next week is pirate week yes because this time last year we were about to head down to cornwall to the seaside <laughs> to get engaged but little didn't did know. i know obviously and we watched the pirate movie now this year i said oh well maybe we'll watch pirates of penzance next year for pirate week we're not doing that because you found out very recently i'd never seen this and you were like yeah how is that possible so obviously we're watching muppets treasure island which yeah. is going to be so much fun. I love Muppets Treasure Island. This came after Muppets Christmas Carol and before Muppets in Space. I haven't done the research yet. I think. <laughs> I know it's got Tim Curry, but I don't know much about this one. I know we watched Treasure Island again, like the National Theatre at home during the first lockdown. Great. Every Thursday, we'd have a show to watch. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Treasure Island. And I know you love that story. I watched it. I still can't really remember what happened. Like, for me, it just feels like a very... Ah, sounds awful to say it. It just feels bland. I love Treasure Island. And I'm hoping that the Muppets might really spice it up and make it more memorable for Obviously. me. Like, I love Christmas Carol. Don't get me wrong. I've read it and I've seen so many different versions. But the, the version that really made me connect with it and remember things was the Muppets, mm-hmm. which might be sacrilege to some people. But no, we're not a literary podcast. We're a musical podcast. Yeah. Yes. So next week is Pirate Week. We will be talking about the Muppets Treasure Island. Mm -hmm. And then we will be talking about Thoroughly Modern Millie, which I guess 
is a newer musical or is it a really old musical no, it's a classic there we go it's a classic and we'll talk about that before we go up to the edinburgh fringe festival where we are going to be seeing a range of shows but the show that we are going up specifically to see and we will be releasing an episode on is rob madge in their own show my sons are queer but what can you do mm-hmm. which i'm so excited uh, we're obviously going to see a range of different shows whilst we're up at the Edinburgh Fringe, but what really kind of cinched it for me was for them being announced as being up there, like, we have to go up and yeah. see this show. There's some exciting stuff on the horizon. Mm-hmm. As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Let us know your thoughts on Joseph. Have we convinced you to go see it whilst it's on tour? Let's know your thoughts on Muppets Treasure Island, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and uh, My Sons Are Queer, but what can you do? You can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app, under the podcast sections of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like the show, if you enjoy what we do... You can head over to any of those platforms or to podchaser.com and leave us a review and tell us what you love about this show. And tell a friend. Help us grow. But until next week, where we will see you same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday.